Hello everybody, my name is Nimish Radia and I'm your host of the Spiritual Journey podcast and this episode is episode 19. I'm excited to, um, to, to post this episode, it's a continuation of episode 18. In episode 18 I talked to Stacey Brown about the process that we're following to write her book and in that episode I, she talked about um, this episode where I'm going to share a chapter of the book. The book is still in draft mode, um, but I wanted to share a chapter because it gives you context in terms of the process that we're trying to follow. It also shares some of Stacey's story and something she went through during a traumatic phase. And to give you a bit of background, her son um, tried to take his own life uh, by crashing his car 100 miles an hour into a tree, and he's in critical condition in the hospital. And this episode talks about something that happened during that period. And it really demonstrates a spiritual act, a time when, uh, for me, it shows you know, God showing up and God showing off in a way where the Stacy um, and the family really needed at the time. So for me, it's a beautiful chapter. I'm excited to be sharing it. And we'd love feedback. So if, if you have any feedback on the chapter, this episode, previous episode, please let me know. Always, always appreciate the feedback. Feel blessed with everyone that's listened to my podcast, everyone that's listened to this podcast. I get a lot of feedback and a lot of messages, so I truly, truly appreciate that. And I'm just about to share the chapter. Before I do, I'll always ask the same question I always do. How are you shining your light? How are you shining your light on you? And what does that look like? It's really important at this phase, that at this phase, and whatever we're going through, and whatever the planet's going through, that we truly work out how we're shining our light, and we make sure that we're shining our light on ourselves first, because that allows us to shine the, our light the brightest that we can. Chapter nine: I was upstairs. We don't think about the hospital being a spiritual place. We think about the hospital as being a place where people go who are in pain but it is a very spiritual place. So many lives starting, souls entering the world, healing happening, and lives ending and leaving this earth. And it became a season of deep spiritual awakening for me. When you're at the hospital for an extended amount of time, you tend to see a lot of familiar faces in the space. There was a security guard who stood near the entrance of the hospital, a large, broad-shouldered African-American man who always had a smile on his face. I remember passing by him frequently but never making eye contact. In the early days of Dylan's injuries, everything was a blur. But this particular gentleman was a force that I felt every time I walked past him. On one particular day, we were descending the elevator to leave the hospital and that security guard was standing right at the doorway of the elevator. 
I made eye contact with him for the first time. There was an exchange that surpassed human words. I knew in that moment as I looked into his eyes that spiritually we understood each other. We had an entire conversation without speaking a word. I knew that he had similar intuitive abilities to mine. It was one of the first times where I remember knowing that someone understood me without us saying a word. I walked past him that day, curious, but so absorbed in the pain of the experience I was going through that I didn't take much time to process it. A couple of days later, that same security guard was standing at the same spot outside the same elevator as we descended to the ground floor to leave for the day. And he stopped me. You are going to blow the doors off the church, he said. I had no idea what he meant. And yet I wondered how he knew about the struggles that I had been facing in my own journey. The battle between religion and spirituality. The desire to be true to who I felt I was called to be and trying to fit into a, a traditional Christian environment where I felt so out of place. I carried his words with me every day, wondering how exactly he saw me blowing the doors off the church. It was such a random thing to say and yet so pivotal because I was at such a crossroads between being true to myself and following what I was taught. Dylan was in a medically induced coma. This means that the doctors had control of how deep a sleep he was in. And they chose this approach because of the gravity of his injuries. Being in a medically induced coma allows the brain the ability to rest and to heal. When you get to a point where the healing has started to take place, the medical team will slowly wake you up from the coma intermittently. Dylan would be awake for a few short moments before medical staff would re-administer the medication that allowed him to be in the coma-like state and allow him space to heal. He was on a ventilator during this time, and he had a trach. A tracheotomy keeps you from being able to speak words, but he was still able to mouth to us small little phrases letting us know that he was still there. 
During one of these short, wakeful times, Dylan mouthed the words that he wanted to see our local pastor and his wife. There was no request that Dylan could have made during this time that we wouldn't make every effort to see it happen. And so Mike and I reached out to Jim and Kristen and explained Dylan's request. They agreed to meet us at the hospital the next day. When we went home that night, we collapsed in bed as we did every night after a long day at the hospital. And I remember laying in bed, staring at the ceiling while listening to Mike gently snore next to me. I don't remember falling asleep. It felt like I was completely awake and alert. The vision that I was about to have was life-changing. As I lay in bed, listening to Mike's breathing, Dylan came walking into our room. He had on his white baseball cap, his gray hoodie, and his favorite pair of skinny jeans. He sat on the edge of the bed between Mike and I and flipped his hat around backwards. Mom, I don't know what to do because I've seen this. And he pointed over towards the corner of my room and he showed me this bright white light so bright, I couldn't even look directly at it. I believe that light was God. And on one side was my grandfather, and on the other side was Mike's grandfather. And then he said, but if I stay, I have a huge mess to clean up. And then he looked at me as if asking me what he should do. I don't know how I stayed so calm, but my breathing was peaceful. And I said, it's not up to me. And then he was gone. I don't remember falling asleep that night, but I know that I slept well. And when I woke up the next morning, I had a peace that far surpasses any understanding. And as Mike got out of bed, I started to recount to him the vision that I had had the night before. And before I could get out the entire story and recount to him the powerful experience I had, he collapsed to his knees and started weeping. Oh my God, our son is going to die, Stacy. He asked to see the pastor and his wife because he's going to die. What I had found 
was such a powerful experience that brought me so much peace was bringing Mike to his knees in fear. We frantically got ready to go to the hospital, pulling ourselves together as quickly as we could and making the drive frantically, barely speaking the whole way there. We parked the car in the garage that we parked in every day. And as we made our way out of the garage onto the busy streets in the city, I heard Dylan's voice say to me, send dad into the room, mom. I'll confirm that I was there. Oh my God, I thought I have lost my mind. I must be so heavily medicated that I am talking to my son and I heard him laugh. Mom, it's your time. I need you to send dad in by himself. I'll prove that I was in your room. I blurted out before I could think of it, Mike, you have to go in when they wake Dylan up. He's going to confirm that he was in our room. Mike looked at me like I was crazy and I felt like I was crazy. But we made our way through the crowded opening of the hospital doors and up to the floor where his room was. As we made our way into the waiting room, there was the pastor, Jim, and his wife, Kristen, waiting for us. Here I was, in a space, with people who believed things were supposed to be done a certain way because of their religious indoctrination. And I had just had one of the most powerful experiences of my life. How was I going to explain to them the power of what had happened to me? Mike went back to Dylan's room and waited for the nurses to ease the IV medication that allowed his body to rest. Fifteen minutes later, he came back out to the waiting room, tears streaming down his face. He nodded his head. He confirmed it, Stacy. In two different ways, he told me he was in our room last night. I told you, I said, I told you he was in our room. There I was before Kristen and Jim, explaining the power of the spiritual experience I had and knowing that no one could understand the gravity of what had happened. The peace that I felt in knowing that Dylan was there was something I will hold to every day for the rest of my life. We made our way home to the hospital late like we did every day. And as we were climbing into bed and getting under the covers, the phone rang with the familiar number of the hospital. 
It was Dylan's nurse. Everything is okay. Please don't worry, she said. But I needed to call you because we woke Dylan up tonight. And he told us we needed to call you. He just keeps saying one thing over and over again. Maybe it'll make sense to you. He keeps saying, I was upstairs. I was upstairs. I was upstairs. When I got off that call, the peace that I had was something I hold even to this day. It wasn't about believing in a certain way, the things that I had been taught, the religious regimen of the way things should work. It was about trusting the vision that I had and honoring that vision for what it was, which was a gift from God. I had received validation that I had had a divine interaction that far surpassed this life and was one of the most profound spiritual experiences that I will probably ever have. I was given the gift from Dylan of the validation that he had been in our room in that vision and I knew that even if his life was shorter than what I had anticipated, that we had had a divine experience that allowed us to know that if he crossed from this life to the next, there were divine beings waiting for him to welcome him into heaven. I remember during these days spending so many hours in that closet space. That space that had held the tears while I wept. The times where I couldn't find the words to express the prayers and the pleas for my son's life. I was now finding myself sitting in the closet beginning my journey to healing, a more profound understanding of who I am, who I was being called to be, and that my son's pain was triggering a level of healing within me that went beyond what I had ever experienced in my life before. I was aware that the filter that I had lived so much of my life with was gone. And as terrifying as that was, it was also beautiful. It was allowing me the space to speak my truth and honor the spiritual gift of intuitive messages and spiritual healing. Synopsis, speaking my truth was necessary. Trusting my vision and believing it was from God, regardless of others' judgments or opinions, was crucial. 
I was learning to accept my calling as an intuitive and a healer. And I began to have clarity on exactly why I am here.